Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Well, we're back. We're back. Oops. I'm sorry. Oops. Oops. Sorry. We done did it. Oops. Sorry. No, still buffering. Actually, <laughs> we done did not do it. Yeah. No, we did not do it. Um, and that was my fault. Well, well, not you, your fault. That's you were sick. Yes, I got sick. Um, Which I would just like to say for all of you that don't know Sydney personally, it takes a lot for Sydney to be sick enough that she does not continue to work <laughs> and do everything and insist that she's fine. So that is any testament to how bad Sydney was. Feeling. I actually I did a whole episode. It inspired me to do a whole episode of Sawbones about this this week, where I talk about. I'm not trying to plug my other podcast. Yeah, I'm whatever. Just, wow. No, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just saying we're not even a minute in. I think I think part of it is my medical training has hammered this into me. But yes, I I typically never um, call in sick or do, I just keep working no matter how sick I am. So you know, I was gonna um, say I was. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say I was very sick. Well, I, cause I feel the same way that has been uh, in, instructed in the food service industry to me that like if you're sick, you don't call out. And I can't think of two worse industries to have people yeah, unwilling right? to not be sick in. Right? It really is. I And that, I will say, I did stay home and didn't go do the volunteer work I usually do because I was worried at first that I had COVID. I did test negative. Justin and I both did. We had similar things, except I had it worse, Much which worse. again, that made me feel bad too because usually I give Justin a hard time because I'm like, what? Are you going to take the day off and lay in bed? Not me, but like then you did. I'm I I was sicker. He was better faster. Yeah. But you got a cold with a side of karma. <laughs> I, yeah, that's what you got. I actually spent a day in bed. I actually did lay in bed for a day and like watch episodes of Mad Men and eat soup. <laughs> sounds nice. Yeah. It was. I mean, it was except the more I try to relax, the more anxiety I feel because I'm relaxing. Yeah. The only way I feel relaxed is if I'm working. See, you know, I'm deeply broken. Yeah. I've realized this since COVID and since going back to in-person school, like teachers pretty much, and I'm lucky enough, I have good ones, but all the other ones like will only accept an excused absence if you have a, if you, and you say you're sick, if you have a positive COVID test. Mm -hmm. And I feel like everyone's forgotten that like other diseases exist and you still yeah. shouldn't want me to come and give other people like, I don't know, a cold. Well, that, or the flu or something like obviously you were so sick but you tested negative for covid like and i, I did i tried to come yeah I, I called i called the director of harmony house where i volunteer and i was like hey i tested negative for covid so i was thinking i'd come and she was like we don't want whatever you have yeah. like no don't go get whatever you're carrying that you sound like that don't go give it to people please and i was like oh that's an excellent point yeah so and it's the kind of thing where like as a doctor, I would have told somebody who who felt like me, sounded like me, like, no, don't go to don't go don't anywhere. Go don't go yeah. anywhere. I don't know. Yeah, I tested negative. I'm there's still a little part of my brain that's going, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe you got an you maybe maybe you made a new variant within you. Mm. Oh man. I'm so <laughs> I'm sorry if I did, but I didn't go anywhere. So, Nobody yeah. got it. It's the a kids super are fine. secret. It's a super hidden secret variant that you just designed. Stealth COVID. I saw that come out, that stealth COVID, and I was like, oh. I felt, and usually yeah. I'm so good about that. I saw that headline. I was like, Justin, <laughs> stealth COVID. Uh, was it an Onion anyway. article or something? No, it was real. Oh. That was well. a thing? 
Yeah. Oh, I just said that like, like we were talking about like super, super. No, that's what COVID. they're calling like, it. Oh, yeah, stealth no. COVID. So, oh, I didn't see that. There was this article about stealth COVID, stealth Omicron. I think they were calling it that couldn't be detected on tests. And I think what they were actually trying to say is that it is a it is a variant of Omicron that doesn't test as Omicron, but it still like shows up as COVID. But it's harder to tease out if it is Omicron. Okay. Stealth Omicron. Yes. And so I don't think they actually meant like a PCR wouldn't pick it up. Yeah. Um, but when I saw it, I fell for the, I, I did it. I did the thing I tell people not to do. I fell for the headline. (laughs) It's, it's, it's evolving. It's just, it's created camouflage now. It's like, don't don't mind me. I'm just a big white blood cell. It would, it would make sense with the way I felt. I would, it would totally make sense. Yeah. Thank thank you. Vaccines for keeping me alive. (laughs) You were sick. I was, um, the kids are fine. I keep trying to reassure everybody that the kids are fine. Yeah. Because you'd think like, man, if the adults were that bowled over, they don't, they're not even sick. I'm fine, too. That was the main concern. <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> well, I was around you right before you started feeling that bad. That's true. So, I, you know, but I'm fine. Yeah. So, yeah. So don't worry, everybody. Riley's don't fine. Don't worry. I'm fine. I'm fine, I'm too. Healthy. Don't and worry, Taylor's everybody. Fine. Taylor's fine. We're all fine. <laughs> Since since the last time we did an episode, I um I got into law school. Yay! Yeah. I'm gonna share that with everyone. I know we all knew that, but put it out into the universe. There you go. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. To to your top choice law school. Yes. That's My fantastic. School. So so exciting. Well, good. I can start committing crimes soon. <laughs> well, no, hold on. <laughs> Were we supposed to wait? Mm. Well, also, I won't yes, be. Yes, Taylor, we're supposed to wait until Riley can bail us out. I oh. won't be a real lawyer for another three years, so not too soon. Oh, yeah, right. Unless, like, I pull one of those fake uh, legally blonde moments and I go I to the courtroom. Say, like, like I am a first year law student, but I can defend you in court. Uh, you mean I just have to make sure no one finds the evidence for three years? All right. Yes. I love, I always love that because I always imagine, like, the corollary in med school, like, I am a first year medical student. I have never touched a human <laughs> and I've only read about them in books. <laughs> I am ready to do surgery. <laughs> I always think that's so funny when I talk to people. I have a few close friends that are second year med students. And I always think it's so funny when I'm like, you're in your second year of med school. You read and study more than anyone I know. And you have not spent a second of that in an actual hospital. <laughs> that's wild yeah i mean it's really not till your third year that's when you start doing your rotations out in the world we try to get them like a little bit of like standardized patient experience the first two years but it's all like you go in a room with somebody who has a script so it doesn't feel it's not like a real patient it doesn't feel the same yeah Um, that's crazy yeah and we we get lawyers let them come like hang out with us yeah but it's not the same lawyers just get it all in three years in and out you're a lawyer I don't have any. They they let you draw comics in comic book school on the first day. Wow, <laughs> that's there's one positive. There's that's hands on from day yeah. one. Yeah, real comics all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's I could the endorsement never... to go to art school over law school or med yeah. school. I could never draw a comic ever, so you know, get marketable skills faster. Go to art school. Well, that marketable. That's <laughs> that's back up there. 
Uh, how do we segue into what we're talking about? I'm sorry that I made you watch My Girl. Okay, well, that's- <laughs> what were you thinking? We're, we're, how many years into a pandemic? I was going to say three. Has it been? I don't know. Now, I just might as well watch My Girl. I also didn't realize, like, that I was going to have this near-death experience. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I didn't really. I, I tell you, when I thought I had COVID and I was thinking, like, if I had not been vaccinated. Anyway, I, I did have a moment there of, like, facing one's own mortality. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, vaccines. But uh, I, I am you sorry. You watch My Girl. My Girl is so sad. Although, okay, can, <laughs> can I just say, the fact that it's, because, I mean... We're going to spoil this movie. It came out in 1991. Yeah, it came out in 1991. And if you haven't seen it, we are going to tell you what happens. Yeah, time. it's now now yeah. been over 30 years. Um, I, it's the fact that it's bees. That <laughs> If it were anything just a little bit sadder, it what? wouldn't feel silly. But it, the fact that it's, it's bees feels a little bit silly. It's gruesome. But it's bees. It's horrific. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel if it's some people, bees, bees are no joke. Well, I know, I know, I know, it's I know. It's anaphylaxis. Yes, it's just, I don't know. It's, that part's always okay. like, you're going to have this What's, tragic death and it's bees. Like, I thought about, like, Bridge to Terabithia. Like, that messes you up and she's just trying to get to their treehouse and she, she slips off their little rope swing. This is it, bees. It, I mean, <laughs> I think, I think what's. Uh, what's wild about it is like it's hard to imagine something like this getting made today yes i um, think maybe that's why because this is the first time i watch it i've watched it that i remember can you imagine it. that like here's the pitch it's a coming of age story we have this young woman her name's veda Sultanfus. interesting mm-hmm. okay all right her dad like is, is trying to raise her like her mom died shortly after she was born it's very sad she's struggling with that she's kind of a hypochondriac all this stuff new woman comes into the picture new mom shelly whatever she's struggling with this and her friend and her poetry and whatever and people are like mm, interesting, great mm-hmm. interesting love this Lo- coming of age but it's a girl and usually coming of age stories were always about boy little boys mm-hmm. so like okay okay yeah yeah i like it like it and then her best friend gets stung to death by bees what <laughs> yeah <laughs> what <laughs> Yeah. Why? <laughs> I think you're right. Obviously, it is very tragic and it's very sad and it is not silly. I think what I more so meant is this. I have seen this before in the sense I have the vague memory of seeing these scenes before, but this is the first time I've watched it in my recent memory. So I'm watching it in the context of 2022 thinking mm-hmm. this movie would not exist today. It's uh, It would be hard to sell something where a child d- dies in such a gruesome way. Yeah. And that's not like, I mean, like, there's still this little coda at the end of the film where, like, I'm getting better and I'm moving on and mm-hmm. my life is okay. And, like, that's wild. That, yeah. That was the, like, I, I don't think I've seen this movie in probably at least a decade. So in my memory, I was like, yeah, I think the movie is about her coping with the death of this young friend. And that's kind of the, the, the thing that she has to overcome. And I'm like, no, no, no. That happens, like. We're three-fourths the way through the movie when that mm-hmm. happens. And it yeah. is just sort of like, oh, but now what have we learned? <laughs> yeah. That's really yeah. it. And, like, we even have to see, I mean, I cannot tell you as a as a parent, as I realize, like, oh, we see his mom. Mm. Li- like, there's a scene where she sees his mom after he's died. And it's like, what is this movie? Yeah. I it would not get made today. And that's not me saying that I hate it. Like there are still 
there's obviously so many you don't moments. hate it you made us watch it well there's so many moments in it that are like sweet and funny and you know it's very of a time and it is very much like there are things about it that i can relate to not i, I wasn't a girl little girl in that time period but you know what i mean like growing up kind of stuff like there's a lot that's relatable up until this gruesome yeah death scene i mean it's got macaulay culkin star of they left him alone so. <laughs> obviously it's and he's so movie. adorable he is. he's just <sighs> he is he, it's heartbreaking the tiniest and anna chomsky is just who i didn't i again best. i saw this movie so long ago that i saw her in veep and then watching this again i was like wait a minute that's the girl from veep and i realized well no she's in veep and she's the girl from my girl but yeah like you know isn't she amazing yeah she's so compelling to watch even as a little kid mm-hmm. what a great actor just like so much going on i mean really complex scenes did you really relate to that character when you were growing up watching very this movie? Strongly. i knew it very strongly i knew it it's one of those characters that i was watching like mm, i know why sydney likes this movie very morbid mm-hmm. <laughs> rice well, like, poetry a, a little bit of lydia deets a little bit mm-hmm. in the sense that like doesn't her dad work at like a funeral home or something does lydia's not lydia's i mean in my girl no, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. their home so, is like, a funeral home. Yes, yes. So yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah. The fascination I was gonna, I was gonna say, like, not in the movie Beetlejuice, no. <laughs> not Beetlejuice. Um, My God. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of it like that. Like, I think part of it was just this idea of this self narration. Like, she was the the character, the main character, Veda, is constantly narrating the story, and in a sense, narrating her own life. And she sees it as this sort of like arc that it is taking. And that, I don't know, that I connected with very strongly. Mm-hmm. Like, and then she writes like sad poems. Well, at the end, they're sad. In the beginning, they're just bad ice cream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then she experiences death firsthand. It's again, the direction that movie takes. It's a pretty stark turn. It really is. Yeah. Um. I really like, uh, I think Dan Aykroyd is very funny in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. I know she was in this movie. I totally right? forgot that. Mm-hmm. Got a really cool style. She's got a cool mobile home. Mm-hmm. I love her camper. I'm mm-hmm. very jealous of her camper. She's super hot in this movie, too. <laughs> I'm just saying. I didn't know you had a thing for Jamie Lee Curtis. I didn't know I did either. <laughs> I realized I, I didn't remember it was her. I just remember thinking, oh, yeah, in my girl, her dad falls in love with this really beautiful woman who does makeup. And then it was like, oh, my God, it's Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> in my mind was this like paragon of beauty and style yeah. in my in my child mind, well. which is weird, too, considering that the movie's set in the 70s. And so it's like go go boots and blue eyeshadow, which was not you were not alive. No, no. And that was not like the style yeah. in the 90s, yeah. you know, in 1991 when I would have watched this movie. No, but it kind of reminded me of like mom. <laughs> so I felt like it made sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I can see that. She says you can never wear too much blue eyeshadow. Mm-hmm. With mom, it was too much blush. Yeah. But, you know, same vibes. Um, can I ask why this movie means i i was gonna end the question there um but i guess like why it was why it was important to you 
Um, I think in my head, it's weird because I hadn't seen it in such a long time because I think I had, I watched it a lot more when I was younger. And then at some point I got old enough to go, wow, this is depressing. <laughs> Cause I think as a little kid, it doesn't hit you how depressed, I mean, I, it must not have, I guess, cause yeah. I watched it repeatedly yeah. and I was so like, I mean, it was sad, but it's sad and oh, but you know, growing up is hard. <laughs> way <laughs> which doesn't make any sense just waiting for like the mass b casualties that must happen yeah. to every young friend group like oh you know it's just part of it's life re- it's really wild because a tragedy like that would define a community for decades yeah <laughs> and it's just kind of taken in stride I don't know, which maybe that is part of like, I mean, that's part of the childhood experience, I guess. Maybe it's true to the main, to our narrator in that way. When you're that age, like really terrible Mm -hmm. things happen. But then we expect you to go to school. Yeah. Yeah. The next Monday. You know what I mean? That's true. I don't know. It's true. But uh, that is not why I connected to it. (laughs) I did I it was nothing you didn't like that. experience a be casualty. Um I think part of it is that I I identified with uh Veda a lot. Mm-hmm. I felt like she was um prickly and difficult. Like the only friend she has is Thomas J. Mm-hmm. And I felt like yeah, I get that. I'm like prickly. I don't I'm difficult. I don't have a lot of friends. I'm I was I was a very morbid kid. I mean I was watching Taylor listen to you say all that. What, what, what are you thinking, Taylor? No, 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 I can't just, speak to your childhood. Just, just, I was like, okay, well, uh, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that there's a, uh, you know, that, that sort of, like, precociousness that the character has that you definitely had, where it's like, you're, you're a tiny person, you know this, right? Like, you don't need to be this serious about life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely had that. Like, I was a very serious child. <laughs> um, even before I started, like, wearing a black beret and going by Lenore. Lenore. Yeah. Um, that was that was very much part of my personality. And I felt like I saw a little bit of myself in this character um, who was very serious and a little dark and had trouble connecting with other kids her own age and... Um, And would sometimes like it also like sort of reined in this idea that sometimes kids talk in ways that are too mature for their age. And we like take it in stride, which I think if I would have watched like a decade ago, I would have thought that's not realistic. Kids don't talk that way. But now that I know your kids like, yeah, sometimes Charlie just says things. I'm like, you you don't you're not old enough to know how to talk like that not even like bad things just like how are you putting words together like that that i don't mm-hmm. even use in my sentences like how you're you're seven it's yeah well i i mean a lot of like early on in the movie you know there's this this repeated thing where she, she like you said she's hypochondriac but she goes to the doctor because she thinks she's she's dying from something she just diagnoses herself a lot and i mean you get by the end of the movie that this is kind of tied to her mother unexpectedly dying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that idea that like kids are just because it's a kid doesn't mean they aren't dealing with big scary thoughts and that kind of felt like if this was this once again this movie wouldn't be made today because 
the parents would immediately be like, oh, we need a child psychiatrist. Like, we need yeah. this child needs to talk to somebody about their fear of death. And instead, it's just like, oh, that wacky little Veda just run into the doctor's office. Well, I mean, I, I definitely think you're right there in that part of why that movie could had to be set when it was is that the idea that Dan Aykroyd is this totally clueless father who's like, I don't know, you know, I mean, her, her mother died when she was really little, but like, she was super close to her grandma who now has such severe, I guess, dementia mm-hmm. is what that was a depiction of. Although at times she appears catatonic, yeah. but mm-hmm. like has such severe dementia that she is not able to like communicate with her at all. And, you know, she's just not been herself. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and like, he's like, I'm, I'm sure she'll snap out. I'm hoping she'll snap out of it. And at first, Jamie Lee Curtis is like, yeah, I'm sure she will. It's like, why? Why are you sure? Why? What reason do you have to think this? <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess was because at the time, the idea that you would have sought that sort of help, especially for a kid, it just wasn't it wasn't done yeah. right. like that. Um, so you're right. I mean, by today's standards, Veda needed to needed therapy. Yeah. She needed, yeah. you know, help. She was struggling. She'd gone through trauma and. Then she goes through the trauma of her grandmother sort of being lost, even though she's still alive. And then she goes through the trauma of losing her best friend. Well, and that's it's an interesting movie also because obviously it's not made. It's made in the 90s. So also not a time period where we would have like open discussions about like the importance of therapy and stuff. Because it kind of feels like in the movie, the message is she gets over her fear of death by confronting it, by having this friend of hers die and now she's better Mm -hmm. now she's hanging out with girls her age and wearing dresses it's like what is the message here i always wondered about that part of it i hadn't really thought about it until i watched it again this time that she's always in like jeans and a t-shirt until she's hanging out with the little girl at the end and that's the first time we see her in a dress and i always wanted to like are we supposed to be celebrating? Like, right? It's, am I supposed to be happy? Like at the end of Greece when Sandy puts on the leather, the leather yeah, bodysuit, like, we're like, like, am I supposed to oh, want this? She's yeah. in a dress. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I will say up until that <laughs> that point, so most of the movie, I do think for a movie made in 1991, it, it gives a lot of um, complexity, I guess, to a young female character. I feel like she gets more than a lot of very maybe more stereotypical young female characters of the 90s that were more about mm, being pretty and being Mm -hmm. feminine and being you know yeah you know what i mean like she has a lot more going on i guess than what i would have expected from a female character in that time i i think that if that movie was made just a few years later you would see a slightly different spin on the ending i really think Mm -hmm. that like it was still coming off a time period where we thought of children as like, yeah, they go through these experiences, but like it doesn't really leave any marks on them, so to speak. You know, like yeah. as long as as long as they're as long as they're still breathing at the other end of it, they're going to be fine. Kids are resilient. They'll bounce back. It'll be fine. And it was before we had this really good understanding of how that sort of experience would change a kid. Yeah. And. I think if you move forward just a few years into the 90s and remake the ending of that movie, what you would see is, yes, I'm still alive. And yes, I am determined to try to make the best of my life. But I carry this, you know, this trauma, this sorrow, this 
you know, mm -hmm. sadness, I will carry this with me. I think you would have seen that. I just don't think that we knew how to do that or thought kids did that yeah. at that point. Which, I mean, would have been an even sadder movie, I guess. Yeah. Oh. Well, I think this kind of, this idea that to get over something, something else big needs to happen, I feel like is something that hopefully we're moving past in storytelling where, you know, that's just how she is. And then she has to confront death in a horrible way. And then you move on. Like, there's a point where he's like, well, no, like, that that's a lot of coming of age stories, you know, like something big mm -hmm. and traumatic has to happen or eventful has to happen. And then you can change. Whereas it's the reality that, you know, it's like, no, it's just a work that goes into it. And, you know, trying to confront yeah. your issues and you aren't just waiting for this big thing to come in and change your life and make you grow up or make you take the next step that sometimes it's just a series of little steps or you need, you know, guidance and intervention along the way. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I was trying to figure out what it was about it that, that made it seem so un unrealistic to me in the sense that like comparing it to more recent movies I've watched that are made now. And I think it's exactly that in that like, a lot of coming-of-age movies you see now, especially ones that more so frequently now center around young women, it's not this big thing happens in their life and they have to work through it or, like, something big happens and then we have to watch them have this other big experience to get past it. Like, in this movie, like you said, um, it's more so just, like, how big life is just living life as a young person and, mm -hmm. like, how important small things are and how much they matter and how much they affect you like i was thinking of like um book smart and the edge of 17 like two mm -hmm. coming of age movies that are about young women that don't have like big tragedies or big emotional moments but are about just like being young and how that's like <laughs> work enough is being a teenager <laughs> being a young person and having to figure out how to get through all that it, it is really weird too because I will say even with in that sort of like those kinds of movies that used to be made about the it's usually either like the the mythical like night that changes it all mm. or moment that changes it all. The thing that happens that makes it like clear for you, shows you your path, changes everything like there is that sort of like thing, especially as you move into like teenage years. There are those movies about that that um, that magical moment in those years that changed it all for you and this movie still kind of stands out because it's not i mean it's just like a really sad tragic there it is yeah i don't know it's it's almost a little more like something like the virgin suicides except the virgin suicides knows what it is whereas my girl ends with the song my girl <laughs> and like two adorable little girls riding away on bicycles you know yeah. which is like I don't know. The, the dissonance there is hard. I honestly think if this movie would have been made today, it would have been it, a lot of things would have been different. But I think the main thing that would have been different is well, you could have Veda as a character that has had the things happen to her in her life that have happened up until the point where like we meet her and you don't need Thomas J to die this tragic death. Like you can just have all the other things happen and follow her life and all these other things that are happening. And that is, that is enough now for a plot. You don't also need this awful death <laughs> right at the end. Because it does still follow a bit of a cliche storyline of like yeah. uh, hero uh, heroic, like, you know, saving of her. Where mm -hmm. like, oh, now she's on the right path because a 
a, a young man sacrificed for her. It's, it's you know, it's a, it's a farce of that idea, but it's still there. It's still in the yeah. DNA. I just can't, I cannot believe, I mean, it really, in our lifetime, there was a movie made and it was okay that poor little Macaulay Culkin was laying in a coffin with bee stings on his little face and that was in a movie. Yeah. Like, that is wild to me. Yeah. It, it, as I watched it, I was like, how is this, how, and I, how little must I have been that I watched it the first time? And and the, I mean, that Veda's, like, gets, like, it, it ultimately is a positive thing for her, just really, like, how does that, how is that how that works out? How is that just a, not another thing that she's afraid of? Or she carries tremendous guilt over because he was trying to get her mood ring back. It's like, oh, great. And now my mood ring me, rings back. And now it's blue. Huh. It, it's so that it, really is a, a wild a wild plot point it's so because the i mean like the scene where she yells where his glasses has well, been like burned yeah. into you know my brain since That's the moment well. i saw it right yeah. like you yeah. say that where are his glasses and i'm instantly like oh yeah oh no don't not my girl certainly not my girl Justin wouldn't watch it with me. Really? <laughs> he didn't even want it on any TV. I put it on. Um, he was like, please don't. He was like, don't you need to reorganize your closet? Didn't you tell me you needed to do that? And I was like, yeah, I really needed to. Because like, I just couldn't find the clothes I wanted and everything was messed up. And he was like, let me put it on a computer. And uh, <laughs> you can just sit right there in your closet. Have a beer. Watch my girl. Organize your closet. It'll you be great. Have some beer in your closet. In your closet. Have, <laughs> have some you time. Have some you time with my girl. And I went and did that. And I was like, this is awful. <laughs> the I best, hate this. The best part is that you picked it. I know. Like, like really? I mean, when no I was, one made you do this. <laughs> it was such an important movie to me. I know. When I was younger, it was it was really. And I don't know for the life of me. I can't imagine a little. I mean, a little preteen me watching this and being like, got to see that again. Well, yeah. you, you saw yourself in the main character. I think that's mm-hmm. always something that makes something stick with with the person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely true. And that, and I also think like the way that we used to watch movies made these experiences different because I I don't know for sure. My my assumption is that we probably rented My Girl mm-hmm. from the movie store after it was. I'm, I know we didn't see it in the theater, yeah. so it was probably at Cummings Renter Center which was the local video store we went to before Blockbuster came to town mm-hmm. and then left. And we probably went to Cummings Renter Center and they had like two copies of it because that's all they'd ever get of new releases. And we waited our turn until it was in stock and we rented My Girl and watched it. And like, I probably watched it that one time and it was probably years before I got to see it again mm-hmm. because it wouldn't have been easy to access. Yeah, Isn't that weird to think about? That's really weird to think about. It would have been hard for me to see it again. Yeah for years and so it left this gigantic impression on me and then i built this whole mythology around Mm. it that was only loosely based on what was actually in it because i only remembered a handful of like other than that the the bee scene and the funeral scene (laughs) the bees (laughs) i i remembered her reading the poems i remembered the uh flesh all in a mesh because i remembered seeing that scene as a kid and being like (sighs) I think they're talking about sex. 
<laughs> I remembered that. Yeah. I remembered um, uh, the don't come back for five to seven days. Because mom and dad got a huge kick out of that line. And I remember not getting it at the time. <laughs> like, why did she just say that? Mm-hmm. Why Why is everybody laughing? Mm-hmm. I still remember that. Um, but I, it probably was that. It was probably I saw it. It meant the world to me because I was like, that little girl's like me. I'm like that little girl. That's so that's so disturbing. That's so mean. I connect to that little girl. And then I didn't see it again for years. Yeah. I also was thinking about, because I know at some point I've seen this, because there were a few scenes, mostly the funeral scene that I remembered in enough detail that I thought that I have seen this whole movie. But if my memory of it is that distant, that means it's one of those movies that at some point you, Sydney, said, you haven't seen this? Oh, you've got to see this. Because there yeah. are many of those. And turned it on and showed it to me when I, I mean, it had to have been long enough ago that my memory of it is that bad that I was probably also a tiny preteen me and you were an adult saying like, yeah, this is good. This is good. You should see this. <laughs> watch watch this movie where Macaulay Culkin gets stung to yeah. death by bees. And I know, I know for a fact that was before I ever saw Home Alone too because it was like, a long time in my life before I saw Home Alone. And I know when I watched that movie for the first time, I was like, I can't look at you, Macaulay Culkin. I can't. I saw what the beast did to you. It's too much. <laughs> it's too sad. It's too sad. Where are your glasses? Is uh, is it just me or was the scene where, I, cause I've never thought of, like, I have nothing against Dan Aykroyd, but I've never thought, like, that is the coolest dude. You know, when I think about Dan Aykroyd, I don't, sure. like, I, I think a lot of, like, he's funny. He's, yeah he's kind of he's kind of weird in a in a fun way mm-hmm. you know but like i've never thought like cool yeah. um when he punches the ex-husband in the stomach is oh, he yeah. not so cool yeah man what a cool scene for dan cool. Aykroyd. how did they how did they think like i know who we need for this cool scene <laughs> <laughs> but he but i mean he pulls it off yeah. he's very cool in that moment i found myself like just for a second attracted to dan Aykroyd. like what just happened <laughs> I was worried that's where you were going the first time, and I was yeah. glad that you weren't, and then you did again. Yeah, you came back. Just, just yeah. for like a split second, I was like, all right, Dan Aykroyd, all right. Does Justin know this? He'd get it. Yeah, I think I can see that, actually. Uh, well, I mean, because there's also the relationship between Dan Aykroyd's character and his brother. Yeah. It, it's, it was one of those kind of, when they're talking about the brother, when, when Veda's, you know, overlay dialogue explains him, like, who is this movie for? Because it talks about him. He comes back from what? Vietnam, right? Korea. Oh, Korea. Yeah. And he's yeah. got a, a plate in his head. And like, uh-huh. there's this sort of like touch of sort of just, you know, this brief tragic story about the brother that's just sort of there in the background. And like, it's like this is an adult movie for adults. Like, this is something that an adult could understand. <laughs> There, well, in that scene at the dinner table, I do think that, and maybe that was also what I connected to, because you have Harry and his brother talking about something, and then you have the grandma with dementia singing at the top of her lungs a song over them while they're talking, and Veda is laying on the ground pretending to be dead. Yeah. And that's when shelly walks into the room and uh, jamie lee curtis and finds all this and uh, there was something about that that felt like our family i don't know why like this feels like something like a scene out of our house at some point i don't know i don't know why well the whole the whole plot line with the brother very much felt for me like this is for the dads (laughs) i was like this is for dad dad was watching this with city at some point this is for him this is for the dads. oh you know tommy smurl loves this movie absolutely it's got everything he wants in a movie. There's, there's, there's <laughs> daughters that he can be sad about. There's horrific death. 
<laughs> There's Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Dan, Dan Aykroyd and his brother making dad jokes. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, there's some yeah. light period humor that he can get uncomfortable about. <laughs> When I t- when I told mom and dad this is what we were watching this week, I swear there was a moment I saw dad tear up just thinking about <laughs> thinking about the movie. <laughs> yeah, which I mean I get it. <laughs> He's a very emotional man. I think mom loved it too. This was not for kids. This is no. what I'm. Re- this is not a movie for kid. Not for no. kids. Macaulay Culkin really had to go through like a rebranding after that. Like, don't worry, I am a child star for children. I know my last movie, I didn't seem like it. Don't worry. Someone was after this, right? Yeah. 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 It was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, and I'm surprised I would have, after Anna Chomsky's performance in that, I would have cast her in anything ever. That's what I was surprised about. I mean, she's it's, still great. Yeah. I, cause I saw her in Veep, but I, and I mean, I'm not completely versed in all of the TV and movies from, you know, the nineties. Um, but other than My Girl and My Girl 2, did she have a lot of other big other things, things she was in i assume she did other oh, things I but i didn't know if that was things. like her her moment was my girl Clumsky, not chomsky gosh sydney i'm saying her name wrong i don't i don't know uh i don't know what else um i guess she was in uncle buck really yeah uh-uh. uh i don't i don't recognize a lot of these movies that's wild because i definitely think and i mean obviously macaulay culkin did fine after this movie but i think between the two of them i mean it's definitely her character and her acting that makes the she's fantastic makes the movie yeah. yeah yeah she's she's super compelling to watch um even as a little kid which just i mean which makes sense when you see her on veep she's amazing yeah um yeah i don't know but that that was all i knew her from and then she sort of I don't know. I didn't see her other movies. But anyway, I'm sorry that I made you both watch My Girl. It's okay. Well, no. I mean, this is it's a movie that you, you cared about. That's, that's good enough reason to watch it. And I mean, it is charming. There's a lot of there's a lot of cute scenes in it. There's a lot of good acting. I, I like the actors that are in it. It's just, you know, a horrible bee death. <laughs> <laughs> if you could just take that out... I, I'm hoping that people realize by now that you can't just throw kid deaths into movies haphazardly like that. I know you're saying this because you watched Hereditary and it upset you. 20 so minutes in. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I turned it I mean, off. exactly what you were thinking about. And I went downstairs sobbing hysterically and looked at Justin and said, I, you won't, I watched this, you can't, I'm gonna, uh, I was just falling <laughs> apart. You can't just put that stuff in movies. Okay, well, I mean, that we're not we're not talking about hereditary, but that there's more service to the plot that that scene does. Yes. It's not just a random death. I think that what we're talking about here in My Girl is a rare example of a of a fridging situation, which is a commonly happens to supporting mm-hmm. women in mm-hmm. media where, you know, a girl dies and then it it drives the man on to be a better version of himself or to change. Yeah. It's just, that's the, it's the same impetus and it's bad no matter what the gender design is. It's like, just don't kill characters off to make somebody else a better person because you know what happens in real life? Not that. that no. Not that, yeah. <sighs> Poor little Thomas J. Poor right. Thomas J. And then they left him alone. Oh, Yes. And they left him That's alone. That's what Sydney's kids have called home alone for always is they left him alone. They yeah, him they alone. left him alone. 
Which is a good plot summary. They're, they're really horrified by that. They're, they're like, every time we talk about it, they're just like, I can't, I mean, they, they leave him there alone. Never show they, them like, my They look girl. at us like, why is this okay? Why Never is it show, funny? <laughs> Never show them my girl. It's horrible. No. Anyway. Thank you both. Thank you for humoring me. I had the, well, I had to read the plot summary of My Girl too because I was like, wait, I know she gets another boyfriend. Does he? Does the boyfriend in the second movie die too? Is that the theme of these movies? Yeah. It's she a Black a, Widow situation. <laughs> she meets a boy, he dies, and she grows. That's what happens. <laughs> not what happens in the second one. I, I, it doesn't. Okay. No. I was, I was making dies. sure because I did not watch the second one and didn't yeah. know a second one existed until I came in here and sat down to record. Are tar pits part of it? Okay, I'm not just... Rem- I- See, this is funny, because they must be. Because <laughs> I had this memory, I'm like, no, I think in the second one, she gets a boyfriend and he dies in a tar pit. But he doesn't, he doesn't. But tar pits are part but of are it. They are, par- part are they of part of it? it? Tar pits are part of it. I-, I think he almost falls in a tar pit, and then she freaks out because she remembers that she lost a friend to bees. I don't know. I- I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Because she realizes she's in My Girl Two, and that she lost a boy in My Girl One, and it's not just not just that your your boyfriends are going to die, but they're going to die in the most bizarre ways. Tar pit, drown in a tar pit. I swear to you, tar pits are part of it. No, I think I I I'm, I I thought I made Maybe. that up until you said that. I'm like, no, there is. I think there is a threat of death by tar pit in My Girl. 2. I typed in My Girl Two, and the first thing that came up was My Girl Two tar pit scene. Okay, so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it has to it has to be that. Yeah, because she's she's in Los Angeles staying with her uncle. Yes. So there are tar pits there. Anyway, Wait, I, like I think how it's funny when how you explained why it made sense. Oh yeah, she's in Los Angeles, <laughs> well known for its tar pits. <laughs> That's the first thing you think of when you think of L.A. I uh, tar pits. I just love that on the IMDb page, if you look, it says that the reason Macaulay Culkin's not in it is because he was too busy with his other projects at the time. It's like, well, no, 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 IMDb. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 There's no, no. There's no. a very, very good reason why he was not in it. Although that would have been a wild <laughs> twist if in My Girl 2, he didn't actually die. I'm back. <laughs> and Dan Aykroyd is in jail for being like the worst Undertaker ever. And <laughs> Oh, man. Sydney's rewritten version of My Girl 2. Okay. I don't want want this conspiracy theory. We have to go. I have to go write my fan fiction. Taylor, what's What's next? next? (laughs) Uh, Well, I, you know, uh, I I thought um, we haven't done music in a few weeks, so I wanted to pick a a, a band from my youth. Um, And there was just that announced uh, when we were young festival that everybody's been talking about. Mm. So I I don't know when a more appropriate week to talk about my chemical romance is gonna be so all right gonna, perfect gonna perfect i'm gonna make y'all listen to some my chem i'm very um, excited hey listen i made you guys watch my girl yeah so. nothing is as bad as that <laughs> yeah all right we'll see all right my chemical romance all right uh well thank you both thank you listeners and i'm sorry if as a result of this podcast you have watched my girl again <laughs> um, or for the first time as I'm, if we didn't tell p- tell people to <laughs> i'm re- i'm really sorry if you didn't know what was coming, um, I, I apologize for that. <laughs> Thank you. You should go to MaximumFun.org and check out all the great shows there. You should. Uh, you can tweet at us if you want, at StillBuff. You can email us at StillBuffering.MaximumFun.org. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Your Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. 
Taylor's mom. I am still buffering. And I am too. We have a serious bee allergy. We are not making light of that. No. Oh, no. No. No, that's true. Absolutely not. (laughs) Prepare yourself for the greatest pro wrestling podcast spectacular known as Tights and Fights. A back-dropping audio showcase that helps you understand the world of pro wrestling with a lot of love and no toxic masculinity. Featuring host Danielle Radford. Time to kick butt and chew gum, and I'm all out of butts. Lindsay Cow. I'm a brutal Brit, and my fists were made to punch and hit. And Hal Loblin. I was doing the voiceover this whole time. Hear us talk about pro wrestling's greatest triumphs and failures. And make fun of its weekly absurdities. On the Perfect Wrestling Podcast. Tights and Fights. Every Saturday, Saturday, Saturday on Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.